0: Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Stand to your feet, turn your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 9. Everyone say on the verge. Tap your neighbor, tell them on the verge. How many of you have ever been on the verge of something? Good or bad on the on the edge of something, on the cusp of something, and whenever we talk about on the verge or on the ledge. People usually think of something bad on the verge of divorce, on the verge of bankruptcy, on the verge of depression, on the verge of addiction. And people usually will focus in on the negative. But I want you to understand that there are some of you here this morning that you're on the verge of greatness. You're on the verge of breakthrough. You're on the verge of blessing. You are on the verge of God's glory to shine upon you. And I want you to understand that being on the verge of something, being on the edge of something isn't always a dangerous thing. Sometimes that's the best place to be. In fact, when I ran master's commission, our, our, stu- our statement or our logo used to be guilty of living on the cutting edge, wanting to live on the edge of life, wanting to live on the, on the cusp of greatness, on the verge of something. And I want to share with you a story of a man that was on the verge of something, on the verge of, uh, of breakthrough. And on Wednesday night in our Bible studies, on Wednesday night at the, the Milpitas campus, We've started a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're not going to do it this Wednesday because we have Pastor Darwin. We're going to be doing an outreach. Uh, keep us in prayer. This uh, Wednesday, there's a local school that a couple of our, our uh, church members uh, teach at where there's a dr- major drug epidemic that's starting in. And these are junior high students that, that are dealing with it. And so they've asked us to come in and to uh, do a school assembly to help bring the, the awareness. And no one better to do that than Pastor Darwin, who has a great story in regards to drugs and what drugs can do. And uh, he's going to come and speak life to these students in, the mor- in, the, in Wednesday morning. Then in the evening, he's going to come share with us in service. So it's going to be a really great time. We want you to come out and join us. But I want you to t- take a look at this. A guy by the name of Saul, who is a modern-day ISIS uh, or, or ancient ISIS uh, Organizer. If you would look at him, then he would be what we would consider ISIS today, because he's going out and killing Christians. He's a he's a terrorist of his region, of his time. And I want you to think of someone really quickly. Think of someone that you think in your mind there is no chance of that person ever being redeemed, or that person ever getting saved, God ever touching that life. That's who Saul was. Okay. I want you to get captured. This is who Saul was. And so in Acts chapter 9, he's going out to kill more disciples, the apostles. He's getting ready to kill some believers in Christ. In verse 3, we pick it up. It says this. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, where was he going? Where was he going? Damascus. To Damascus. He's on his way somewhere. And I want you to notice that God always calls busy people. Even if you're doing the wrong thing. God calls that drug dealer and calls him in. If you're busy, God calls busy people, not lazy people. And so notice this. He says, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him and he fell. Someone say fell. fell. To the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Verse 5, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And a voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. I want to focus on, on verse 6. Now get up. Someone say get up, get up. And go into the city where you will be told what you must do. In other words, God's saying go to the city and wait. Somebody say wait. wait. Waiting's a hard thing to do. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We've all been on the verge. Everyone, someone say on the verge. So we've all been there, and I want you to recognize that the Bible is a, is a book filled with people that are on the verge, and people that have been on the verge of, of greatness, on the verge of breakdown, on the verge of, of uh, you know, failure, on the verge of victory, and so as you go throughout the Word, you see all these individuals going through various things, and as you go through, as you. Find yourself on the verge. You're going to find something in common. Three things you're going to find in common with everyone that's on the verge. And say amen if this refers to you. Number one, you're going to find that most people that are on the verge have reached a crossroad in life. Amen? They've come to a point where they have a decision to make. Do I get married? Do I have kids? Do I leave the job? Do I move to another city? Do I, do I stop? Do I change, uh, you know, uh, majors and you reach a point a crossroad in life where you're trying to figure out where to go and every one of you when you're on the verge of something do I leave my husband do I leave my wife do I do I leave this job and we find ourselves on the verge of things whenever we come to a crossroads in life and you have a major decision to make amen and we all have these times secondly is when you find that you have nothing to lose You get to the point, and this is where most people come to God, is that they end up getting thrown down on their back so hard they have nowhere else to look but up. And you always wonder, why do we have to wait until we're broken down before we call out to God? But as long as we as human beings have options, we always try to exhaust our options. See, we don't seek help to get off of drugs until we're on the verge of losing everything because of the addiction, right? We don't look for help for the marriage until the wife is left or the husband's left. We don't look for counseling. And then by that time, sometimes it's too late. It's always until we don't have anything to lose. We don't get healthy until the doctor says, you know, we're going to have to open up your heart because you got all these clogged arteries. Do we stop going to McDonald's or In-N-Out and and so forth? You know what I'm talking about? Say it again, Pastor. So it's not until we get to even number three where we ask for help. See, because most of us won't ask for help when things are bad, because we always feel that we have one, we have the willpower in us to get things right, even though we've tried all we could before and we couldn't get things right. Somehow we think, oh, just one more chance, I, I can do this. And your willpower is not enough to break certain habits. You, your willpower can't break. Habits, you need a change. And so that's when you're on the verge, these three things are normally taking place, and the Bible is packed with people who are on the verge. Whether you were talking about Moses, whether we're talking about Joseph, whether we're talking about Gideon, Samson, or Abraham, all these individuals were on the cusp of something. I'm here to give a prophetic word to someone here this morning. You're on the verge of something great this morning. What you thought was for bad is actually going to set you up for breakthrough. You are not going to go through a breakdown. You're going to go through a breakthrough. Yeah. Say it again, Pastor. I said somebody here is about to have a breakthrough, not a breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to understand that this morning, that some of you feel like you're, about, you're, you're hitting the wall, that you think that these things that are happening in your life have been sent to destroy you. They haven't been sent to destroy you. They've been sent to build you up. I want you to catch, follow me on this. On Wednesday night, we started this series and we were talking about that the same sun that causes some seeds to germinate and grow is the same sun that causes some seeds to dry up and die. It's all based on your environment or the preparation of the soil. And so the same crisis that causes someone to grow in Christ causes other people to turn away from God. It's not a bad crisis it's how you respond to it that determines whether God is going to get glory or not. Amen. Because problems are the, the process that God uses to help us grow. So somebody needs to hear this. Because you, you, you have this idea that problems are something that God is sending to judge you. God uses problems as the process to build you. How many, how many work out here? Now, if you're out of shape, you can raise your hand too, that's okay. Because round is a shape. <laughs> oh, Lord. Perfect timing, Troy. Perfect timing. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, Lord. <laughs> the reality is this, is that many of us don't start looking at getting, getting healthy until our bodies are broken down to the point that you have to. And so I want you to t- take a look at this. It's hard to change. And the problem is that whenever you share statistics with people, statistics aren't usually valuable to people that are hearing it. And you know Why? is because most of us think that statistics don't apply to us. But statistics are valuable because they show the norm. And somehow we always think we're outside the norm. Right? You don't know my situation, so you can't identify me based on, on, on statistics. Because That's why when I sit with people, you know... Six out of ten marriages end in divorce. And so I'm sitting with, you know, people that are getting ready to get married. You know, what's going to make your relationship different? And every one of them just sit there. Love? <laughs> and people are laughing because you're married. You're like, hey, love's not enough. <laughs> right? Because love's not a feeling. Love is a commitment that sometimes produces a feeling. That, that, that's why you wear rings. It's just to remind you that you made a commitment. Because there's times you don't feel in love. And so I want you to understand that when we take a look at, at stats sometimes, we, we don't, we don't they're, they're powerful, but not a lot of people listen to them. But take a look at this. I'm going to share them to you, even though it doesn't apply to you, all right? Um, <laughs> just, just a couple things. Uh, dieters in the U.S. spend over $40 billion, not million, billion dollars a year for diets. But only 19, 19 out of 20 don't lose anything but money. How much did you lose? Oh, about eight ounces. That was about 40 bucks. Because that, that's, that's all... Okay, let's go on, number two. You're not impressed. Two years after coronary bypass surgery to save their lives, 90% of patients are back to their old lifestyles. Okay, that didn't seem to... How about this? Two out of three people don't floss. Those not laughing are the two or three, two out of three, okay? See, the reality is people aren't moved by statistics because we're not statistics. And the, the, the thing that we look at is that, you know, it's gonna be different with me. And I want you to understand that if you're gonna be on the verge and have a breakthrough in life, you gotta see the principles that God uses to bring about breakthrough in our lives. Now, I'm not giving you four steps to breakthrough. I'm having you recognize the principles that are in the word to help bring about breakthrough in your life, amen? And so I want you to take a look at this, verse, nine, verse seven of chapter nine. Now, after Saul gets knocked down, Now, how many have ever heard that Saul got knocked off his high horse? How many heard that? Heard someone preach on that? There's no horse in the scripture. You you look at, I don't care what version you go to, there's no horse. He was, for all we know, he was walking. But we know he he was going somewhere. And on the road to going somewhere, something happened. And the principle was, he got knocked down. And before we're going to have a breakthrough in life, some of us need to get knocked down. Before we're going to be able to get to where God wants us to go, we have to reach ground zero in our lives. we got to recalibrate. we got to get back to zero and begin to reorganize some things. It's on that verge of divorce. It's on the verge of bankruptcy, on the verge of a breakdown that we start realizing that God loves us enough to transform us. But sometimes he can't get our attention until we reach the breaking point, ground zero. And I want you to see what happens. Verse 7, it says, Then the men stood there speechless. Now, now Saul is blinded. He's on the floor. They come over. They, they, they walk up. They heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Look at verse 8. Saul picked himself up off the ground. Someone say, "Picked himself up. I, I need you to understand, there comes a point in your life you got to pick yourself up. Say it again, pastor. you got to pick yourself up. You're sitting there laying on the floor waiting for someone to lift you up. There are times there's no one to pick you up. There are times that no one's going to come by. In fact, they'll take pictures of you. They'll Instagram it. They'll Twitter it. They'll put it on Facebook. They'll show how you fall. They'll they'll put a a, a little meme next to the fact that you fell. But they will never reach out a hand to help you stand up. There comes a point that if no one picks me up, I'm going to pick myself up off the ground. And you gotta pick yourself up. You gotta move forward. And so he picks himself up off the ground. And when he got up, his eyes were blind. He gets up and he's like, wait a minute, my eyes are open, but I don't see anything. It's amazing how many people that we run into that keep finding themselves in the same problem over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And you look at them, don't you see what you're doing? You're gonna lose your wife. These drugs are taking away your family. This lifestyle is going to lose, your, your, you lose your, your, your job. They just don't see it. And there comes a point in our lives where we're blinded, where we can't even see what we're doing. Look what happens. He goes on and says, So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. You imagine how humbling that is? He was the one leading the party. Now these guys are walking him by the hand. There comes a point that you can't lead yourself. That you need, you need the help of someone. Look to the person to your left or to the right because that person might be the most important person in your life because without them, you might not get to where God wants you to be. You're going to need someone to lead you by the hand. You're going to need someone to take you by the hand. Some of you came to church this morning not because you wanted to, but because someone took you by the hand. It's because you're blind. And you needed someone to help lead you. And so this is... Look at verse 9. It says... And he remained, someone say remained, they're blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So he stayed where God told him to stay. He stayed in the place where God told him. I want you to notice four things as we close this morning about what brings about an on the verge experience. Number one, I want you to recognize a life changing encounter. We all need a life changing encounter. When we read the word we see Paul. We see Saul getting knocked down and when he gets knocked down he has this encounter. I want you to understand if you have an encounter with CWC you're going you're to struggle through life. If you have an encounter with the church you're going to struggle through life. If you have an encounter with a religion you're going to struggle through life because religion would have taken Saul in his blindness and made him comfortable in his blindness. Religion would have created a ministry to minister to him in his blindness. But we don't need another religion we don't need another religious experience we need an encounter with the living God We need an encounter we need to come in contact with God and that's what happens with Paul or Saul he comes in encounter this light shines and knocks him down there's this encounter that he can have but I want you to understand how many ever read the word and you you're, read the word and you're like man. Moses had the burning bush experience. Not powerful. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Angel takes a coal and touches his lip from the altar. Man, that's an encounter with God. That's powerful. You look at the word and all these different encounters. That the, Joshua's getting ready to conquest the, the land of Israel, and he's getting ready to go into the promised land, and an angel of the Lord shows up with the sword drawn. See, that's who Jesus is to me. He's not weak and frail on a cross. Brother's a warrior. Sword drawn, standing. Now, now follow me on this, follow me. We look at those things and say, man, it would have been tight to live in those days. But do you remember? You, you realize that those people look forward to us and they're wondering, man, what's it like to have the Holy Spirit live in you? What's it like for you to actually have God live inside of you? For us, God would fall on us and then move on, fall on us and move on, fall on us. But you get to have Jesus live in you. You get the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. What's it like to carry the presence of God? What's it like to to, to talk to God immediately? What's it like to have the presence of God over you? What's it like? So you have the ability to carry the presence. We just got glimpses of it. You look back at them and say, I wish I was them. They look at you and say, I wish I was you. We needed a life-changing experience. And we've all been there. We've all gone through these times. And I want you to understand that he, God has this, this encounter with him. And even though his intentions were good, and good intentions are not enough. I want, I'm trying to live a good life. It's not enough. I'm trying to do the right thing. Intentions don't determine your direction. And it's, in, it's vital that we each understand that good intentions aren't good enough. We need a God encounter in order to transform who we are. Secondly, he went through the process. God tells him, go to the city, and I want you to wait there. And so he's sitting there, check this out, three days blind, just sitting there. You know what we do when we end up in this blind situation? We just start trying to figure things out. I know God said to stay there, but we, we start messing with the marriage. We start messing with the kids. We start messing with the finances. We start doing things you know you're not supposed to when God said, just sit there. Just wait. Wait on me. Mm-hmm. But I can't wait on you. Well, I, I need to. And you're so much a control freak. You're trying to work things out when God just said, wait. And we get ourselves into such trouble in the process. But I want you to recognize something. He went through the process. He got knocked down. He got blinded. He got humbled. And now he has to rely on other people. And now he's sitting there waiting. But I want you to understand, you cannot pray out the process. Not even Jesus was able to pray out the process. Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. Let this cup pass. Three times he prayed the same prayer, but Jesus wasn't spiritual enough to pray out the process. You can't pray out the process in life. You got to go through the process in order to receive the promise. Well, come on, somebody. Some of you are trying to pray out the process. You can't do that. Thirdly, I want you to understand this: his outlook changed. His, he saw through new lenses. What am I telling you? He, he's blinded. And God says, listen, I want to do something new in you, dude, but I can't, I can't do it the way you look right now. Not the way you look, but the way you look. So God had to blind him so that he wouldn't see things through his own lenses. You see, it's not until you change your lenses towards your wife, towards your children, towards your husband, towards your city, towards your family, towards your job, towards your education, that you will begin to see God move in those areas. God has to blind us sometimes before he's able to reveal what he wants to do in our lives. God says, I can't have you seen the same way. See, you can't look at things the same way and get to a new level. You have to see things through different lenses in order to get to another level in life. you got to see things differently. Come on, somebody. I want you to understand that God literally had to reorder his priorities. He had to reorder the way he saw things. He had to reorder things in his life. Lastly, I want you to notice this, is that all of a sudden, because of this encounter, Saul is now known by a new name as Paul. Now, now don't get it twisted. His name wasn't changed from Saul to Paul. His Hebrew name was Saul. But his Roman name, as a Roman citizen, it was Paul. And he had to become known in a different name. Come on, somebody. I'm going somewhere with this right now. Some of you have a name. The old Jew has a name that has an old identity the addicted one the angry one the bitter one the, the 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 ruthless the violent one but when your name is mentioned when you have an encounter with God it transforms the old you and it gives you a new name gives you a new identity it transforms how we're known by You're not the angry one anymore. You're the loving one. You're not the bitter one anymore. You're that one that has compassion. God has a way of transforming your life. You're on the verge of something great right now. You're on the verge of a breakthrough. And what what's a trip? Is I need you to understand this: is that in order to get that breakthrough, you can't do it alone. You need someone to help you. In Acts chapter nine, verse seventeen. God calls this individual, this believer, by the name of Ananias. He says, Ananias, I want you to go pray for for Saul, that he receives the sight back. And whenever God asks you to do something that you're uncomfortable with, all of a sudden we go into information mode. God, I think you got it wrong here. I know you're infallible, but I think you missed this one. Let, Let me inform you a little bit. You know? When God tells you to love someone, you're like, well, you don't know what they did to me, God. <laughs> right? Help that person out. God, they owe me money. They already owe me money for the last time I helped them out. You want me to. you know? So we go into information, right? We go into information mode. God says, I want you to go and I want you to pray that he receives a sight. God he says, wait a minute, God, th- th- in case you don't know, this guy is killing people. <laughs> Not just people, he's killing Christians. And you want me to show up there, and you want me to pray for him, to receive his sight? At least now that he's blind, he can't find me. <laughs> moment he gets his sight, he's going to be able to track me down. And what's a trip is this. You know, the modern-day church, what we would do? We wouldn't go pray for him. We would get all excited that the guy that was trying to kill the church is now blinded. We get, man, God's judgment finally fell upon that sucker. Get him, God. Yeah, that's what you get. Keep killing Christians, I'll tell you what's up. God's not only going to blind you, and then he's going to lame you. Come on, keep messing with us now, man. Come on, blind man. And we would have, we would have sold it. We would have had preachers preaching. God brought judgment upon that man. And he would have ended up dying a blind Man, instead of this man responding, if it would have been the modern day church, but Ananias gets up, he goes, and I love what he says. This is so cool. He kind of repeats everything God told him. He says, "Brother Saul, I like how he brother. (laughs) Hey brother, hey bro, Um, brother Saul, we're related now. Okay, now that you talk to God, we're we're connected here. Okay, don't kill your brother. (laughs) Who, by the way, appeared to you on the road?" has sent me that you may regain your sight. So, bro, I'm here to help you. I'm not not here to hate. So I'm here here to help you. And as a result of that, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, look at verse 18. This is so powerful. Instantly. Something like scale fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. And I want you to notice what he does. He got up. Somebody say, get up. He got up. There has to be a get-up in you. We shared that earlier. He got up and was baptized. And afterwards, he ate some food, regained his strength. I want you to understand, you got to let people help you. you got to let someone help you in those times of blindness. Someone help you see the way things are supposed to be in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your spiritual life. You weren't created to struggle. You were created to dominate. Did you hear me? Some of us think that we're just created just to struggle through life. That's not God's purpose for you. He created you to have dominion. He created you for joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And yet you're, you're depressed and you're battling through life. I'm here to say, I came here today to say, brother, sister, whoever you are, God came here or sent me to you to tell you to regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit of God today because God has a plan for your life. Had Ananias not gone, Saul would have died blind and we would have missed out on 13 books of the New Testament. We would have missed out on probably the most powerful apostle of his day. That planted churches throughout all of Asia and Europe. Because of one man's obedience, a whole community was transformed. A whole nation. A whole known world. So what did he do? Number one, he got up. Everyone say get up. I want you to stand to your feet. Secondly, he ate. Everyone say ate. You know what you just did right now? You just ate spiritual food. Now, whether you ate it or not is up to you, but it was served. So whenever someone tells me that, you know, or ever I hear someone say they're leaving because they're not getting fed. You know, in our 16 years here at the church, no one has ever told me they're leaving the church because they're not getting fed. Now, they've told me they're leaving because they don't like me. Told me they're leaving because they don't feel welcome. I've heard all kinds of different reasons. But not one person in 16 years has said they're leaving because they're not getting fed. And that's because they, they know if there's one thing you can't tell me is that you're not getting fed at CWC. Because two things. Number one, I'm not here to feed you. As adults, you're here to feed yourself. I'm just here to awaken your appetite. I'm here to teach you how to cook. Now, if you're a babe in Christ, I'll feed you. We'll, we'll, we'll feed you. We'll nourish you. But if you've been in church for a while and you still expect me to make airplane noises to get you to open up your mouth. I told you before, my, my, my daughters are, eight, are 17 and 23. You're hungry, you know where the refrigerator's at. You're hungry, you know how to turn on a microwave. You know there's cereal in the cupboard. But don't tell me that I'm not feeding you, because it's not my job to feed you. It's my job to make it accessible to you. I want you to get up. I want you to eat up. And I want you to strengthen up. Because some of us right now are on the verge of a breakthrough, not a breakdown. I want you to just say this with me. I'm on the verge of breakthrough. My breakthrough is coming. My blessing is here. I will not break down. I will get up. I will eat up. I will strengthen up. In Jesus name Thank you for downloading this message For more information on our church Visit us at cwcbayarea.com You can also follow us on Facebook At facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea